Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bevies with the Boys. We're now on episode seven, which is already mind-blowing to me. Uh, I'm Munchmores. This is Dagno up at the top left. We are the boys, and tonight we're joined for Bevies by Ender and Froskurin, who I'm pretty sure you guys probably already know who they are. Well, let's do a quick little whip around anyway. If you guys want to introduce yourselves and let me know what you're drinking tonight. Ender, we'll start with you. Hello, my name's Christy, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, for... <laughs> he comes to the right place. <laughs> He's got dark for the IC. <laughs> Dude, you're one pixel. I don't even understand. Now, what, to be fair, blurry? there's at least a few understand. pixels. There's at least 12 yeah. there. Uh, what, what are you drinking tonight, mate? Uh, I've got some Hite right there. Boom. Hite. Oh, I've had Ooh. that before. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a, I'm a bit of a beer snob. Uh, <laughs> Froskurin, uh, introduce yourself. Let us know what's going on. Hi, I'm Frosk. Please minus the urine, and I will be drinking water responsibly tonight because alcohol doesn't mix well with my medication. Copy that, copy that. No worries. So uh, a, a responsible drinker on my left. Dagda, what are you on tonight, mate? Uh, to make up for frost drinking, I'm going to do double. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to be on crack and rum for tonight. Um, so yeah, I've got a bit of orange to mix with that because people pirate. like yeah, Fanta and dark rum is delicious. Wait, but what are you putting with your rum? Fanta, like club orange. Is this an actual it's, drink? This is an actual drink. I'm drinking it right now. It is delicious. It tastes like an ice cream that we have in Ireland. In Ireland, called uh, a super split. Is that but, so? Yeah. That's an Irish thing. I mean, I'm sure other people have done it, but it is super tasty. Like, just trust me with it. It's really good. All right. I, I believe Dagda when he starts talking about drinks. I believe it. I trust that man. Hey. Uh, I'm on. I'm on the uh, Doom Bar tonight, which is a amber ale from Cornwall, um, and it's actually fucking great. It's maybe my favorite beer. Which is you like longingly look at the can? He's like, <laughs> I was double checking that. I was double checking it was right. Favorite, yeah. I was fairly yeah. sure it was Cornwall, but I had to double check that one. But yeah, it's if you haven't had Dunbar and you like Amber Ales, hundred percent recommend it. Um, can I turn this into a flashlight? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> you you underestimate my ingenuity there, Frost. Um, Wait, there's a well there. All right, <laughs> we're we're already we're already kicking off, aren't we? All right, so um, I want to start off with like kind of. A very like zoomed out look because obviously we don't have like worlds just happened or anything like that to talk about. So this one's going to be a little bit of a different episode. But before we do actually jump into the conversation, I do just want to very quickly say, Dagda, happy birthday, mate. Everyone in chat, give a happy birthday to Dagda. It's the birthday bonanza here on Baby the Boys. Uh, no, I said I wouldn't sing. I never said I wouldn't say happy birthday. So everyone in chat, please. I never said I wouldn't quit sing. Please so, <laughs> mate, take it away. Oh, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wanted. <laughs> so I did want to um, kind of jump into a conversation to start off with on you guys and your kind of your histories, because obviously you're two American casters in Europe talking about League of Legends and. That's got to have been an interesting journey together. And I know vaguely to an extent, both of your stories, at least within reason, but I feel like there's got to be a lot more to that. So I was wondering if we could kind of get get your retelling of kind of the checkpoints of like where you started, what inspired you in the first place, and then kind of the steps that were made over the course of however many years to get to the position where you are Americans that have traveled the world and now you're in Berlin talking about League of Legends. Like that's kind of a crazy crazy story um do you want rock paper scissors for who goes first 
Yeah, go for it. I'm pretty sure it just all looks like rock. Ready? Ready? Wait, but do you do rock, paper, scissors shoot or do you go on scissors? Because I go on scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, okay, nice, nice, nice. All right, all right. Rock, paper, scissors. All right, okay, okay. Are we two out of three or what? Oh, fuck, sorry. I'm already up. I need to put you in the ground. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay, okay, okay. Tie. Rock, I don't know what it is paper, an ender tie to be honest. Oh, you, oh, you can't oh, see Oh, it's me. one apiece. It's just one a piece. It's one apiece. Okay, go, go, go. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Ooh. Oh. Rock, paper, scissors. No! Okay, Frostgarin okay. wins. Okay. So you get choice, Frostgarin. You get choice. Do you want to go, go first or first? second? Uh, Ender can go first. Okay. Ender. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start with what I know. I know that you used to be... Uh, like a game tester type. I, I don't know what it's actually, what the title is. <laughs> and then you came to Berlin to cast LEC, but I'm fairly sure there is more than those two details to your story. So like, where did it all a, begin, mate? Yeah, I was a quality assurance analyst. No, uh, it started, oh. I uh, I was, I, I'd been playing League since season three and I really wanted to be a pro player. Um, in season six, I hit master tier like in spring, uh, but then quickly realized like to get to a pro level it would take like many many years and it would be very difficult and i may not even be able to do it uh so i was like well i really like esports what's the next best thing uh so i looked into being a caster coaching and analyzing and out of those three casting was just the most like easily approachable like i just went on reddit and like looked for a bunch of amateur leagues mm -hmm. um so i started like casting a bunch of those um but then pretty quickly, I realized like the leagues themselves were kind of garbage. Like you didn't make any money and the games were just bad. So I was like, okay, yes. I want to like watch a real region. Uh, so I like, I did like one of the, the bootleg broadcasts of the LMS and I was going to stream every LMS game in 2017 spring. But then two weeks into the season, I was uh, on the uh, Riot Games website looking for jobs. And I was looking for casting jobs. I actually applied for the ULCS then and they never replied to me, but we'll ignore that. <laughs> Um, skip over uh, that little detail. Yeah, lots over that part of the, of the, of the timeline. No, uh, but uh, I, I saw a listing for like to be a referee for the LCS. It was like, sweet. I already lived in LA. It was a job that didn't need a college education. I had just graduated high school. So, uh, oh yeah, that's the other thing. I took a gap year to, to try and make an esports. My parents let me do that. Um, and uh, so I got that job. I had to stop doing the LMS thing because it was just like the times were terrible for it. Um, but then pretty quickly after that, I ended up uh, going to the Riot campus on a like player labs experience, which is like they would email a bunch of players that lived around LA and invite them to test like new champions. Um, so I tested Zion Rakan, dumpstered the play test. They were like, hey, you should consider joining the play test team. So I applied, got in, boom, easy clap. Um, and that was that was sort of the the quick journey there. The the tag the the checkpoints along the way were I got to go to MSI 2017 in Brazil. I was on stage behind Faker when SKT won MSI. Um, when well, thanks fan, to you. Hey, yeah, thanks all thanks to fan. me. Uh, I escorted a fan off the stage after he jumped the stage, hugged Faker and the other members. That was wild. I um, see you saved Faker's life. Yeah, okay. I saved Faker's life. Faker <laughs> bowed to me. Coma handed me his notebook at one point. He handed me his notebook, his phone, and his badge with all their strategies in it. And, and, he, and you just bolted. And you didn't you just run. Yeah. No, I didn't run. I didn't run. But that that legitimately did happen. Um, but yeah, then uh, then working with the playtest team for the rest of that year, basically, um, 
And then towards the end of the year, around November, I want to say, Quickshot actually tweeted out, like, ULCS is looking for new color casters, mm -hmm. like reply with a VOD. So I just replied to his Twitter DM with a VOD of mine, even though I was working at Riot, just replied on Twitter. And then he sent me a DM like the next day and was like, uh, or no, he replied to the tweet, check your DMs. And I had never gotten like notifications on Twitter before. So I was like, what is this? That was wild. And then, yeah. <laughs> That's like the quickly... ultimate tweet reply, right? Especially from it was wild. when yeah, you yeah, sent that like... VOD and he's <laughs> yeah. like, check your DMs because that's public as well. It's like, I like how you feel like a superstar. A job, but he still can't get verified on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just relentless, isn't it? It's every single tweet I see, every single everything it that is the the reply but sorry uh, <laughs> I, did, I did just yeah, want to yeah. ask one quick question in in amongst that story where does Go the so you joined riot as a qa analyst a then, referee first oh so then, you joined uh, as a referee and then became yeah right yeah, yeah. okay i wasn't sure if that was like some kind of so as a referee between... it wasn't i wasn't like a riot or anything it was like a day hire sort of deal Ooh. um so like I would just show up for like the actual LCS days themselves, do the refing, which was like super chill and easy, um, and then would be done. But I almost became head referee for LCS um, in 2018. I basically had uh, an offer to be a uh, head referee for LCS or to go cast ULCS, and uh, one of them looked better than the other, so I took that one. <laughs> one of them gets your replies on Twitter. Yeah, one of them is just like check your DMs, and it's just quick check on. Sorry, you're actually just terrible. We're just not interested. <laughs> Sorry for you. No. <laughs> oh god, damn. So wow. and, and then you made it. To the, the DM looked like he was like fishing for information. He's just like, so what's your person? Give me your personal information, like yeah. name, phone number, email, like, your credit card number. Yeah, what's, what's the what's the three digits on the back? Yeah. <laughs> Mom's maiden name. You know the whole the whole nine yards. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, then uh, took me, I was in visa jail for like six months. And then they're like, actually, you don't need a visa. You're allowed to come here as like a business trip for less than 90 days. And then that happened. So nice. all good. Sweet. So gamer from California, changed your mind about going pro and then found an alternate route. That's cool. Pretty much. Um, Froskurin, I believe you've got obviously a bit of a longer tail um, because... You've you've been around a little while um, in in the esports scene. That's not an insult. I, I feel like that came across as an insult. Um, Boomer. I'm when, almost thirty. So, <laughs> same. Me too. Dagda yeah, now as well. He's joining today. the club. Oh, it hurts. Um, where did it all begin? And at, at what point did it all begin? Like, at what point did you become involved in the LPL? Because obviously, originally you are that LPL fangirl, right, or that Chinese fangirl. So where did all that start? Like. At what point did it all really kick off? Uh, I'll try, try to give you the abridged version. Uh, essentially, like Ender, I was trying to go pro, was never good enough. Um, I didn't cap at Masters, I capped at Diamond 1. So there was like a big gap. I was like, this probably isn't for me, guys. <laughs> it's like, I'm out. Um, and then I was just doing a bunch of streaming. Coaching and commentating didn't really exist in terms of like uh, vocabulary back then for mainstream. Mm -hmm. So I just called it like reviewing. And uh, my viewers would send me their VODs and then I'd watch them and kind of cast or coach over it and then kind of like send it back and my specialty used to be like champion matchups which now fuck if I know any of those like <laughs> that is a very long time ago um and uh some people from ESL saw one of my streams one day and was like hey you should try out and be a caster um so I tried out for what was then like the EPS I think it was like the, their pro series basically it was the North American challenger uh, scene where where is this on like the overall timeline like what year is it was this? like 2013 okay. kind of 
I started playing League back in um, uni. My college roommate was like obsessed with it. And like, I had never played a computer game before. I was like total console only. And I remember being really mad that I couldn't use the arrow keys to move the champions. Around. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? This is bullshit. Um, and we were like, I think I need to buy Kale right now while she's on rotation or I won't be able to buy her ever again. Yeah. Like there was, those were those types of fears. Um, but I started casting EPS uh, and Zyrene used to work for ESL. I basically like took Zyrene's spot because he had just gotten hired by Riot then. And he mm. was watching one day when I happened to be casting with a guy named Pyrotechnics. And Zyrene pulled us into a Skype chat and was basically like, you guys have talent. You should work together and continue to build your synergy. And then hopefully like Riot will try to hire you. And we're like, fuck yeah, let's go. So I looked at Pyro. I was like, I don't know you. You don't know me. Want to cast together forever? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we... How's that going? I was... Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Sorry, that was, um, that was, that was meaner than I intended it to be. <laughs> I love you, Pyro. I actually really like Pyro. Yeah. He's a really good Pyro's guy. a good lad. Yeah, um, everyone puts me so my legal name is devon and pyra's name is devon so we were both devon it's oh terrible and if you know pyra you know spirals into a conversation for hours yeah. anyway yeah. um i was living with kelsey moser at the time and she was writing freelance for lol esports and she had to pick between writing for the lms or the lpl and she chose to write for the lpl and so she naturally was really into the Chinese League of Legends scene after yeah. IPL5. And so I was getting a lot of that like adjacent information. And she really wanted to run a uh, like a content series called China Talk. And Rapid Casting was supposed to be their host. But he just kept bailing, was super flaky all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I turned to her one day. I was like, bitch, I will make you the graphics. I will host it myself. Like, oh, who do you want me to invite? And so I ended up hosting China Talk, not really knowing anything about the LPL. And then over time, um, began to watch and invest more into the region. And then Kelsey really wanted to do a uh, English broadcast of the LPL because it didn't exist at the time. So like what Ender was talking about with bootleg LMS, we did a bootleg LPL. It was Kelsey, me, and Pyra. And Pyra and I were doing it so we could practice for the EPS. So what we would do is we would cast, go for LOL's uh, European in the mm -hmm. morning and then go to work and then come home from work, do the EPS, and then at night into early morning, do LPL, sleep, oh and then do it all over again. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we took that stream, I think we started with like four viewers and our finals for EDG versus OMG, we got to like 48,000 and we went to Twitch God in San damn. Francisco. And um, Twitch and Garvey were helping us. Like we were in studio and Kelsey was like the observer onto it. And we like build the graphics, like ran everything. And then Pyra and I were like, we're gonna, like, we're gonna move in together. Let's go to Colorado. Let's get an apartment. We can build a whole streaming room and we can run like the Brazilian English broadcast and the LPL English broadcast and the LMS English broadcast. And we're getting ready to do all of this. And Riot's like cease and desist right now. Yeah. Like, woo, police time. <laughs> Um, and shut it all down and then gave the LPL to the Oceanic broadcast. But Riot hated me. They hated me at this time. They refused to hire me. So I immediately went to Oceania, which uh, was run by a guy named Jake Spawn Tiberi. Love Spawn. <laughs> and I started messaging him. I was like, I will give you everything I know. I will write you notes on every single team. I will show you every single backstory. Like, I will help you do this. And uh, for the entire split, I was like, going back and forth with them and trying to like help them build out the new LPL English broadcast. Mm -hmm. Papa Smithy then left for LCK. And because I had built up good working relationships with Spawn, Spawn went to Riot and was basically like, this one's on me. Hire Frost, give her six months on contract to Oceania in 2015. Um, if she does poorly, like that's it, it's gone. If not, like we'll rehire. So they brought me over on trial. Um, 
I guess I did well because they brought me back. Got trapped in visa jail as well for um, <laughs> ah, Melbourne. Right. That's going to be a consistent theme, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Oh. <laughs> and then uh, eventually went over to Oceania, did the LPL product um, where Jake was the um, like owner of the product. Didn't really like hit my stride in terms of casting until MSI in Brazil because Jake had always been the LPL representative and they only take one LPL representative like every single time. And uh, because of the zika virus i think it was where if you're trying to get pregnant it can cause problems well jake and jenna were trying to get pregnant and so jake couldn't go to brazil because of the virus and so he was like take this one she's never gonna have kids and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to my first international tournament, Dad. <laughs> I like showed up with my school books. I was like there like three hours early. I was like, I'm ready. Dash, I made printouts. It has all the, I literally, my first day on analyst desk for MSI, I had printouts of all of the LPL players. So like a photo of them and like all of their stats and their backstory and how to say their name. I'm like, here. And Dash was like, this is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and then since then, they're like, yeah, we really like working with friends. Yeah, that's, that's how to make a good impression right there. Jeez. So uh, yeah, then I just went to Shanghai and now I'm in LEC. <laughs> so I want to interject like one quick question in there. So you mentioned that you were in uh, the MSI in Brazil and Ender, your face lit up. Did you guys meet at that event? Because that's the MSI no. that you were at. Did, was that? I did watch the run over to Faker and now I know who that giant was standing next to. Him. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, wait, how deep into the tournament did you actually get? Because I only did you were finals okay yeah, yeah, yeah. okay 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 yeah no we never met though i i'm trying to think of who i actually met on that trip i met uh a zale jat pastry time all the na people pretty much and then i observed the eu and other regions from afar see this is because they probably what you met them at like a bar or like an after party or like a dinner or something so okay so i met a zale at the studio because on an off day we went and played flex queue on the brazilian server uh-huh. and while we are absolutely smurfing in pislo in in brazil the enemy team was like which msi team which msi team and we said because we're on riot accounts right with no normal games ever played just immediately jumping into ranks uh... so we replied skt They're like faker faker <laughs> <laughs> it was great, yeah. Uh, and then I met I met Jat when we went to um, oh, what's it called the uh, the giant statue of Jesus. Um, oh, was, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I know the statue. I couldn't tell one. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to that, and then I met Pastry Time at the after party. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. See, we would never cross paths because I have a reputation. I don't go out. I don't leave my room. I do not go to the after parties. I say maybe for the fall. flex queue though. You missed I an opportunity the there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, paths didn't cross, unfortunately, but hey, you know, that that's life, isn't it? Um, so you guys obviously pretty pretty uh interesting stories, pretty um I would actually say smoother stories than I expected, at least to an extent. Oh what? Oh, I say, Don't wait, there's a lot of bumps there. Yours was yours was <laughs> kind of turbulent. I feel like you're missing some of the finer details there, Frost, but I will allow it. Um, like there was that time that in Poland, uh, I got to cast with you. We cast Hong Kong Attitude oh, yeah. and uh, H2K. I remember that tournament. I remember Wait, that sort of it real well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Lunch. Yeah, I remember oh. it too. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at- that yeah, tournament, good, wait, was that the one that I got the final with Dracos? No, Papa Smithy and Pyra got the final. I did a semi-final with Dracos at that tournament, and it was the H2K yeah. game, and the analyst desk was 
backstage. So there was the arena, and they were like kind of to the right, weren't they? And then the caster desk was behind the stage, yeah. and you couldn't see anyone. You're like basically in like a dark closet. It was pitch black, yeah. But for whatever reason, I don't know if I had too much G fuel or just too much stress, but I had like a, a mental breakdown in between some of the games and I was like sobbing. I have no idea what happened. It was just like one of those things where you just like f have a freak out yeah. and Draco doesn't know what to do. He's just standing next to me. He's like, uh, and the manager, Jacob was his name, I think. He's like bringing me a banana and like Kleenexes and water. And he's trying to get me to calm oh, down. Oh, like, you mean Jacob Harrison. And he fucking comes back with Joe Miller and he's like, I've got Joe Miller, Joe Miller. And Joe Miller gives me like a locker room speech. I've never spoken to this guy ever before in my life. Like I never worked with him. I don't really know who he is. Like I know who he is, but like this is yeah, my first. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, if I hadn't, uh, you know, like believed in you, you wouldn't be here. So fucking go get him team. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Three minute timer by the time the game starts. I'm like, yeah, let's get into game guys. Incredible. So hilariously, that guy, that Jacob that came and gave you a banana and tissues, that was my roommate um so nice yeah nicest guy in the world hilarious guy uh one of my best friends um but yeah so that event for anyone that's wondering that was iem 2017 in katowice and i did the other semi-final with uh Vedius because me and Vedius had cast way back in the uk scene because uh, he was a player in the uk scene a mid laner that played almost exclusively katarina um Shut up. And then, and then, <laughs> then he transitioned to be a decaster. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I remember that event. That was a, that was a fucking amazing event. Does actually. that say more about it was the terrible, UK scene but... or Vedius? I think it's both. That's well, what I want to know. I will say he wasn't that successful in the UK scene as a player. So <laughs> I guess that's a minor positive <laughs> for the UK scene. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, that was my first ever like proper big event. So that one will always that one will always stay up there. Um, so I want to, I want to bring the conversation back to like, um, wait, where, where you guys are at right now. Cause especially since you're both from America, obviously, um, what is life like now being in Berlin? Because from, I've never lived in Berlin, but I've heard that it's kind of a strange place to live and isn't like many other places. Like, how does it compare to where you've lived previously? Like what's good about Berlin? What's bad about Berlin? How do you like the life in, in, in Germany? Type it up, Brosk. All you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm a huge Berlin fan. Berlin, outside of Sydney, Australia, is probably my favorite city that I've ever lived. Um, you are correct that it's a really weird city. It's very international. It's not a traditional German city. I mean, obviously, you can go to certain areas. Because obviously, like, if you're a modern history fan, there's probably nowhere cooler in the world, yeah. cooler, that you could live than Berlin. <laughs> um, but, like... I mean, the street art and the graffiti is crazy here. If you're super into that, it has so much history. Um, the museums are popping off. The food, I think, is really amazing. I think it's really inexpensive. It's a super queer-friendly city. Uh, it's kind of got this vibe of, like, there's nothing that Berlin hasn't seen. <laughs> mm, like Quite literally. Do, yeah, you could do <laughs> nothing to shock this city. So it just doesn't give a fuck. It's like, whatever, you do you. Fuck off. <laughs> That's fine. And uh, everyone dresses in black. It's got a great club 
had a great club scene. So it's got like a little bit of everything. And I think it's just like one of the greatest cities in the world. And if any, if people like come and they don't like Berlin, I'm like, where the fuck did you go? Did you just like sit in Mitte? Like, how did you not like Berlin? There's literally something for <laughs> If you want to just get like tanked all day and fucking ride around the S-Bahn, like you can do that. If you want to go get fucked up in a club, you can do that. If you want to go into any of the amazing parks that are all over the city. Fun fact, the parks are all over the city because Berlin, unlike other European cities or other major European cities, wasn't rebuilt after World War II because of uh, obviously the Soviets coming in and the Berlin Wall being there. And so it didn't really get rebuilt until like the 90s. Like there was a ton of like rubble and destruction around. So there's a shit ton of parks in Berlin that are in the shape of buildings because that's what they literally used to be. And because there was no money to fix it, they just put a park there. So you can go like a block in any direction and you'll hit a park no matter what. And it's just like this weird, uh, imprint of a building that's cool that's really cool i i and how do you sorry go on sorry go on i was just gonna say how do you find it with the language and everything i mean like i know from being there yeah most people spoke english but i was just curious like have you guys started doing the lessons and all that kind of stuff so or are you still just okay (laughs) (laughs) i was supposed to do language class and then COVID hit but i definitely Uh, like andrew and i are bad we should definitely learn german because like while people speak english here they Obviously, people will get, like, agitated if you don't even, like, try to do any German to them. I speak better Chinese than I do German. <laughs> to be is, fair, you lived it there. That is good. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. I, uh, I always feel bad. I have a really hard time speaking to people because if I speak in English, I feel bad. And I know I can't speak in German, so it just doesn't happen. As a gamer, <laughs> I'm convinced I can live any... Honestly, like, the only, like, friends that I've made outside of LEC... I've literally met playing basketball. So like I go to like basketball courts and I shoot around and like there's another person shooting and they're like, you want to like one-on-one? And they just all happen to me American. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not my fault. Like they're the ones coming up to me. So uh, yeah, that that happened. But um, as you can see, the internet, not so good. Um, I'm a very blurry man right. apparently. Even though on my screen, I look crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Really so- cool. Moving here when you're 19 from America, very cool. <laughs> yeah, and like so, you because you're you're from California, right? What's the yeah yeah Los Angeles, right? So you're from LA, like literally the yep. place that people dream of living, right? So what's the what's the difference, right? Because I I personally I absolutely hate LA. Like LA is the worst place Ooh. in the world, but um, lunch has taste. LA is like <laughs> as someone as someone who believes in manners, LA is the worst place in the world. Um, no offense to you, I'm just saying like the Americans have a different way of taking it. Like, and if you're English, it's really hard over there. I'm just saying from experience. Really, it's really tough. Nobody says please and thank you, and also they what? they look at you weird when you have good manners. You get judged for having good manners. It's really strange. I, I found it really difficult. Are you sure that's an LA thing and not just like an American thing? I think it's like more a thing in LA because in Vegas people were a lot chiller. But either way, I, I'm not just gonna complain about LA. Um, <laughs> but like mean, you're you you can. Everyone <laughs> tells me that I'm an idiot for thinking LA is cool, but I think it's cool. I, so I think parts of LA is cool. I just mm. didn't. Um, I don't know. Driving yeah. an hour and a half every morning and every night, not not good for a 20 minute drive very true it's just unbelievable. yeah, yeah. and there's when, no when public started, su- public uh, transport yeah the public transport is terrible and honestly like i had to learn how to use a train when i got here like it was a weird experience to like 
get on this train, go this direction, the S9, not the S7, like all of these, like mm -hmm. that was wild. But uh, yeah, the first like month or two I worked at Riot, I did the hour and a half commute through traffic every morning, which was pure misery. But once you actually like move into LA and if you can get a place near work, like you really stop doing that. Like I was pretty mm -hmm. much able to walk anywhere. And to me, the place in LA I lived, like West LA, didn't feel like as much a city as much it felt like kind of like a city suburbs mix like it was still apartment buildings but it wasn't just like really tall buildings stacked next to each other with like restaurants all around like you would have to walk to the street with all the restaurants so i was like 10 minutes away from sawtell 10 minutes away sawtell's where all the good restaurants are mm -hmm. and then 10 minutes away from riot campus so i could get pretty much everywhere here there's just so much stuff around me that i rely on ordering food more than i should in <laughs> like the sautel of berlin <laughs> yes and no no because didn't. let me tell you sautel has way better food okay yeah and it's no, not even close no one is going to deny that la doesn't have better korean specifically and japanese, japanese and food. chinese food. and chinese food but that's for very dark historical reasons whereas berlin obviously has amazing turkish food like hot poggers yeah. true true, true. <laughs> very true i've appreciated it I will say, uh, currywurst, super underrated fast food. I don't know why it's not in anywhere else in the world because it's what? it's yeah. actually incredible. Honestly, amazing. They're so like good. they're okay. Uh, but... Compared to Dublin, like you get the greasiest, wettest thing that just gets handed that... to you. It's like I'm a drunk. I don't care. Like, I eat this, but like comparatively, it's just so. What you're eating, <laughs> it's like not good. Look, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. It's not healthy. It's it's probably going to kill you in like three years but you're drunk and you don't care <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'm kind of in the opposite scale of that where it's like the berlin kebabs are nice but they're kind of a bit too i almost posh is the word like they're like decorative they've got like little spruces of salad on top and i if i'm ordering a kebab i am salad, battered, and i just want this like pile of greasy ass meat that i can just consume and then die that is what i'm looking for when i order <laughs> I a kebab bad. so I don't know the 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 German kebabs. They're pretty good, but not quite uh not quite the the back of some horrible. Look, they're shop great in on a Doncaster. night out. I I'm never gonna eat a kebab when I'm not coming home from a club. Ah, that's how it goes. They're great in the morning after a night out. Let me in the morning, that was my first kebab experience. Eight a.m. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a very reasonable uh, way to do it. Um, so let's uh we'll move the conversation on from Berlin. Um, I. I wanted to, in fact, Dagda, do you want to set this one up? Because this is more your question. Um, we wanted to ask about kind of like how you guys balance your life with, with LEC and the other stuff that you've got going on with your life. Uh, Dagda, you, you kind of thought yeah. this was a so, Like both myself and Munch have kind of come from backgrounds where like we were doing a bunch of different esports titles when you're kind of coming up as a caster. And you guys now are kind of moving into this where you're doing like i know for ender you're doing a bunch of the valorant stuff for oscarstein you're doing a bunch of the sim race and stuff and that and like obviously you've got enough on your plate with league of legends now you're adding these other esports titles into the mix and you guys are streaming like i how do you manage all this moving about when you're trying to balance like both your work and your at home or life or trying to do whatever you have in your spare time because it's difficult enough trying to keep up with league of legends as a color caster so trying to add in all those other things just seems mind-boggling to me <laughs> yeah uh honestly it's hard to me i there's phases where i'm really good at it and phases where i'm really bad at it right now i'm really bad at it um it usually just comes down to like me setting a schedule because there's I, I think there's like 
uh, maybe there's like four like big things I do in my life right now, which is uh, I play basketball, I play League of Legends slash cast it, play Valorant slash cast it, and then I like write also on the side. So like when like my best schedule is when I like go out in the morning, get breakfast. While I'm at breakfast, I have a laptop there. I'm writing whatever I'm working on. After that, I go play basketball. I then come home and like stream um, and either do like Valorant or League with that. Um, and then, you know, any jobs that, you know, filter in there too and if i can keep them like a regular schedule where it's like pretty it, it's not even like locked in where i do like an hour of this an hour of this an hour of this it's just i'm going to do all these things today as long as there's the um, habit yeah exactly exactly then it's not too bad but like with lockdown hitting i'm like not going out to cafes anymore so i like stopped writing so i stopped also like playing basketball and stuff like that um so it's been a little bit more difficult um uh but i think that for me like keeping up with league is really easy um, I think this year I did the least like amount of like prep or uh, like review of my own cast, like anything like this, I did the least of out of uh, like all the time I, I've been a caster. Um, and I think that now it's preseason, now it's getting more complicated. I'll have to put in, in more time, but I feel like I, I hit a point where I'm like always going to hit a pretty high bar and it's like, it, it's hard to like lose your knowledge. I think like you lose touch of like specific matchups and like small micro elements of it. But I think that like you can find a place where you're comfortable with your game knowledge and you don't feel like you need to like hard grind league anymore. Like I hardly played ranked this year. I got like D4 and then chilled. Rask, what, what about okay. you? What's your experience of the, the balance? Oh, uh, I mean, the honest honesty of it is is that um our visa requirements or my visa requirement requires that i need to make uh 20 of my income from a different contractor so if it was my oh. way i would only work and focus on right because i'm like a very obsessive person like i obsess and focus on one thing and Same. so things like uh the sim racing stuff with like nitro nights um or like some of my other side projects are streaming or so i can meet my visa requirement um and like Ender said, it's probably the least amount of time that I've then had an opportunity to give to uh, League of Legends and League of Legends casting. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's still like a lot of growing pains in terms of like the workflow systems because um, Riot is now trying to figure out how it interacts with freelance casters and freelance casters are trying to figure out how they interact with, you know, all their other gigs in terms of work-life balance, as well as uh, with League of Legends and Riot. And it's just kind of this weird mixture of things which is why sometimes you get like really cool products where you have like a star wars uh meme opening that like ender dracos and i like like ender wrote it dracos and i just like showed up we just like pulled down a curtain rod and just like threw that shit together we had like no idea what we're doing like that shit had zero planning to it um or you get like situations where uh you know things sometimes get missed or maybe things are a little bit like wonky and, and people aren't having like their their best like on moments so um it definitely like needs refinement uh again if i could i would just focus on league of legends but it's just frankly not a viable option for me right now well how do you feel about that transition like are you because you're so obsessive, do you find that you're then like fully invested in race simming and you just you're not even looking at League of Legends? And then do you find you're kind of a lot of the stuff that you've done with League, say from a casting perspective, like how well does that transition across? Because I can imagine sim racing is a very different story from <laughs> League of Legends. <laughs> a little bit. So 
the coolest thing about sim racing is um so like i haven't driven a car in 10 years i sold my car when i went off to college and i have never driven <laughs> one since i'm like almost 30 now so it's been quite a while and i've never really watched like um f1 or nascar or the gt series or anything like that and i had a peripheral like we know what sim racing is although i have to call it esports racing i'm just like the sim racers don't call it esports racing and then the sponsor's like but you better fucking call it esports <laughs> racing right now I'm like you're just pissing off sim racers like yeah. they don't care about this shit i literally told them when i got the job i was like a you shouldn't hire me for this like they hired me because they wanted like an esports host and they're trying to push sim racing into esports i'm like why don't you get an actual sim racer and like an actual real world driver because sim racing is having its moment right now because all of the races got shut down because of COVID. so everything moved online and you had real racers that were racing in sim races so you had the sim racers and the real life drivers both on the simulation it was fucking so crazy cool. and like the uh... viewership spiked up really high and there was like a, a, a lot of interest in it and i'm like you know i'm watching like the 24 hour like uh, Le Mans, I'm like trying to figure everything yeah. out. I'm like, okay, this is how this works. And these are like the crazy drivers. But w one of the cool things about what Nitro Nights is doing, I know it sounds like a, such a fucking like sponsorship ad plug, but I actually really <laughs> do believe this for like all esports. And if Sim Racing wants to push into that, or one of the biggest issues and why it can't break that endemic um level in terms of like sponsorship because you do have some big teams and some like endemic sponsors from racing that are getting into sim racing is because it's impossible to track there's no league pedia for sim racers or if there mm. is it's super stripped back and stripped down so they are trying to create a site and content that's putting together all of these stories because then you also have all of the different racers and sim racers like people from the fgc will put uh will be in multiple different categories like not everyone specializes in like i racing or f1 2020 um they'll do like f1 and gt and ac and all of the different races and then it's like impossible to find like the narrative thread you can't be like this guy when he was 13 years old started yeah. playing leblanc he was undefeated on the champion <laughs> like it just doesn't and then when you don't have those uh those narratives then it's harder i think to take it seriously as a sport and then they're already dealing with the um the prejudice of you know sitting at a video game despite the fact that the real racers train on a lot of what the fucking sim racers are driving on and the techniques the same plus the sim racers are faster sorry guys they're not afraid that they're gonna fucking break are they their faster on a real track around... are they faster uh, on a well, real track it takes time they've only done um so i've interviewed three what we call hybrid ra racers which will be real racers and uh sim racers and james baldwin and joshua rogers are probably the fastest and there is a definite correlation like it takes some time getting off of a sim rig onto a real uh racetrack but there is like transferable skills that if you gave these mm -hmm. guys time they could be fast but obviously the sim racers are faster than the real racers because again they're not afraid that they're gonna fucking like yeah give their fates across a <laughs> across <laughs> pavement they're like oh, i'm pushing it yeah that's i mean i'm not gonna try too hard to get into the racing conversation i'm not gonna pretend like i'm an expert on this but i've I watched Top Gear for a lot of years and uh, I've like had a peripheral interest in that. I've got a lot of friends that follow racing and one of the big things that people always say uh, separates like the really, really great racers from the good racers is that it's like they don't give a shit. It's like if I die here today, it was worth it for the medal kind of thing. And so that kind of mentality and skill set is not something that is built up doing anything except racing on the track, right? So... You, you have to That's wonder. That's actually my mindset when I cast games. Um, but... <laughs> if I die today. <laughs> then I'm going down with double tier as real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so I don't know. I, I've no, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about um, sim racing. I mean, I've never even driven a car, so I'm way out of my depth here. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I personally believe I'm a really good driver, but I'm obviously fairly biased towards myself. I'll um, give you guys a, a tip so you can sound really cool to like any race fan. Yeah, do Sinna. it. Everyone knows Cinna, yeah? Even if you don't know racing, you probably know that name. He was really famous for multiple reasons, but what he used to do is when he would take turns, he would smash his clutch, and you could actually listen to the car. You'd hear it going like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's because he learned on a cart where when you were smashing your clutch, it would like open the, uh, fuck if I know like car terminology. You basically like open it up so the gasoline could get in and think of it like you get like a boost. He's like uh, fucking power uh, boosting around he's, turns. He's like flooding it basically. I've played Need for Speed. Yeah. He is nasty. But in F1, uh, the engines... Similar. Quite the same. The engines meant that that technique really didn't make any sort of difference, but yeah. because it was such a leftover habit, um, it was like the signature thing about when he would go around turns in his car. So there you go. Now you, you can have that fun fact and Interesting. Who knows? You'll win a pub trivia with it one day. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. We'll see. I, I've not been to a pub quiz in a long a while because of fucking COVID. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to move the conversation on slightly. Um, we wanted to ask you guys a little bit about um, branding, which is a bit of a weird topic, and it's a kind of vague topic as well. But I feel like with you two specifically, um, you guys are really, really great examples of two of the like really strong brands within esports. And I think that there is some exceptionally strong brands across the esports scene, especially out, outside of League of Legends. But I think within League of Legends, you guys have two of the stronger brands um, within League of Legends. And I'll go to you first, Ender, since um, Frosty was just uh, talking to us about the sim racing. But Ender, obviously you kind of have built your brand over the course of like, I guess the last two years, but this year especially, it's like really, really spiked. Um, do you want to speak to kind of how much of that was um, intentional? Like, was that something that you were like, okay, weird champs a thing, let's fucking run with this baby, or like, where, what, what happened? Like, where did it all come from? Like, how, how much did you kind of direct it, and how much of it was like natural growth? Yeah, so I would say uh, a lot of it was reactionary, but still very intentional. Uh, there's been like, basically whenever there's like a joke about me, I will lean into it as hard as possible. And like, that's just sort of been my thing. Uh, like the weird champ as like the specific example, that was used in Spring Split as a way to flame me, right? Like weird mm -hmm. champ is technically not a nice thing to, you know, pop up when someone comes on screen. It's like, cr it's like cringe or like haha, like any of those things. Um, but I basically just took it and made it my own thing and was like, hey, now if people type this, they're not flaming me. They're like saying hi, pretty much, you know, and that's like the way I interpreted it. So it it turned into I don't know how many what percentage of people are weird champing because they're a fan of me and they know that's my thing or they're flaming me. But in my mind, they are now all my fans and I yeah. just like weaponize it that way. Uh, you could say they're like, only fans. They're, they're only fans. There you go. Exactly. And, uh, you know, maybe a link soon. No. Um, but yeah, no, like that, that was like the whole idea right there was you take any flame that people are throwing your way and then you turn it into, into like you own it. Um, like I doubled down on like the earring thing, you know, like that sort of stuff. So it was like whatever either bothers people or people notice. I was like, OK, that that like speaks to them and we're going to blow that up out of proportion. 
and then there were uh, a few other things I think that I definitely tried to like double down on. Um, one was like like writing the like like comedic content for the LSC and a lot of like the cold opens and by writing those things I ended up being in a lot of them so I just like got a ton of like exposure in that way and people like Mm -hmm. like identified like oh you know like the Star Wars skit that's me LEC update that's me and shocks you know um so I I felt like through those things I could show off more personality than I can in cast because if you listen to my cast now they are very bland in spring split I tried doing like the kind of like pessimistic tone and being like very like critical analytical and you know and like making jokes and stuff and people didn't like it i still think it was some of my best work but we'll ignore that um but uh i yeah and it was like okay that didn't work so i started casting with quick shot and made it as bland as possible but it was it was about like picking and choosing the the elements that you can like really make your own thing whether it's like oh in cast i'm like the jungle pathing expert and that sort of thing and then and, and identifying those key areas and knowing what you want people to be saying about you and for me that was like jungle pathing funny weird champ boom and we got that just slightly on an off topic i know you're kind of talking about writing the uh this kind of the opening segments and stuff like that mm-hmm. is that what you write in your spare time as well or because that was just something i was curious about <laughs> like what kind of stuff do you write in your spare time both uh so, or both i say that and other things so i wrote like lec update i would say probably about like 50 to 60 percent uh or 50 percent of the cold opens i would say like i wrote on my own or as a lead writer and then i like had input in a lot of the other ones um on my own i have a fully complete sitcom uh that uh, we may do a reading of on stream at some point. That's absolutely ballin'. Uh, there's another one I want to write there. Um, and then I'm writing more of like, I'm like basically writing like TV uh, or like movie scripts pretty much. Oh, nice. Cool. Well, if you need a few actors, you know, me and Munch are terrible. Hey. <laughs> I love it. You, you should see me wistfully uh, looking at Morgan on the WE poster. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so over on on the other side of things, for Skirin, your your brand has obviously been a much like more of a, a slow burner, but you've built an an incredibly strong brand over the years, right? Like I think that you're one of the most recognizable faces within esports talent. Um, how much of that was like, uh, I am going to be this person, I am going to be this uh, image of what people will believe? How much of that is just this is just who you are, and this is how you act kind of thing like is there a level of um intention there with the way that this brand has been crafted or would you say that it's just true to who you are okay probably a mixture of both i think it should definitely be a bit more intentional now now i'm pretty much like uh i kind of got to the point where i feel relatively safe with like my job security so now Mm -hmm. i'm a bit of a a loose cannon i would say uh and i'll i'll kind of shoot first ask questions later Mm -hmm. um so obviously like my beginnings i guess as a brand is i started like in the community itself um i was part of you know, Reddit and the forum communities. I wanted to like build a product that was very grassroots. You know, I didn't come in from a traditional like um, PR or broadcasting or, uh, you know, that type of background. I was like a fan or a nerd who became a fan who then became like a broadcaster and got trained up that way. Um, It obviously like 
it sits like on the the gender sexuality lines where that's always going to be like a marketable thing um my opinion is and it always will be that you have to meet like uh, everyone talks about like uh, quotas with like a dirty word or like affirmative action and that type of shit and i'm not going to like pretend that that doesn't help but you have to meet like a qualification bar. Like if two people are of the exact same skill, then yeah, I will have an advantage being a woman when we're both equal skill. But the thing is, is that people always try to like take away the skill thing and be like, oh, she only gets advantage because she's a woman, because she's gay, they can't do anything. It's like, no motherfucker, I had to try for years. I worked really hard, like fuck off, no. Um, in terms of like uh, conscious things that I do with my brand, I'm what's a polarizing figure uh i was very much not liked for a very long time and it i think feels it swings really rapidly and it's sad because i had my uh uh i had my big fallout with reddit over the semi-finals uh the g2 match um which was like kind of a clusterfuck it was like a week before people were pissed off because the jackie love comment i don't know if you guys like followed that but like some dude has it really out for me because i was like i don't think jackie loves as great as some of the greatest adcs to come out of the lpl which i was right motherfucker sidebar <laughs> sidebar there was, was a reddit right. thread there was a reddit thread a week after finals that was like you know frosk was right about jackie love he really yeah. isn't at the level of all the lpl <laughs> yeah. greats There's... i think anyone who kind of watched lpl would kind of agree with you like there was some dodgy fucking moments in there yeah but this dude he like had it and you can tell that i'm still salty about it and that's fine like if that gets him off and i'm like still salty about it i'm still salty about it because i was like get a fucking life what are you doing he's like combing through like your old reddit comments like i got this bitch now and people like see him link to something and they think it's a takedown when if they actually clicked on the link and read it was like really well worded like very long response yeah. super reasonable and tame but no one read it because they hate me and they're just like fuck this bitch i'm on and i was like what the uh, and then like a week before the semi-final then i announced then there's like a hate thread then we do the semi-final and like was it the greatest semi-final no i'll take that one on the chin it was not my best performance was it as bad as the six reddit threads and thousands of hate mail that i got fuck no you motherfuckers you were galvanized because oh uh still salty about it it's fine <laughs> This is what we call doubling down, folks. Oh, I'm <laughs> tripling down at this one. I've I've combed through that cast like so clearly. I'm like, this wasn't this wasn't a terrible cast. It was like whatever. And for a semifinal, then you can like have the conversation about like context. But oh my god, people just wanted to like burn me at the stake. Um, but a few years ago, I actually believe right before Worlds can't remember which one it was it might have been 2016 or 2017 i knew that it was going to be like my first worlds and so i made a reddit post after worlds was announced and i was like looking for feedback and people still quote this sometimes and um i was sitting next to my boss jake spawn tiberia at the time and he's like what are you doing <laughs> i looked over at him i was like what i'm going to do is i'm going to make a reddit post asking for feedback i'm not going to read any of it I don't give a fuck what these people say. They don't know anything about my job. You taught me my job. But they don't actually watch me. They don't listen to me. And when I go to Worlds, they're finally going to be forced to listen to me. And they're going to realize how much better I've gotten. And they're going to think that they had something to do with it. And that's that going to make them like genius. me more. And it did. It worked. It absolutely worked. And that is my great reveal. I will reveal it now. That was oh so conscious God. and deliberate. And for years afterwards, when people were high on me, they're like, I really respect Frost. She like came to us and found I don't I don't give a fuck about your guys' opinions. You don't know what you're talking about. How did I get my job? I had to have an interview with Jat and Deficio. If you think you know more than Jat and Deficio to say to hire me, 
get my job. Take it. Come at me. <laughs> and now you can see the point of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I, I respect it. I respect it big time. Jeez. Um, so, so how did you try and like deal with that then? Because obviously that's a lot to just be swung in your face at once. Like, do you yeah. just kind of zone away from social media for a while? Or like, how do you actually just... What like, kind of answer do you want here? <laughs> whatever your favorite. What, yeah, like, whatever. You, you lead the way on this one. <laughs> okay. uh, if you don't want to talk about it, that's cool as well. No, like, super open. Yeah. But sometimes, like, I can't, I can't read people very well, and so I can just like fucking push in, and then people sit there like, oh, <laughs> and they just like drink. Um, just imagine uh, we're at the pub and you're having a nice pint yeah, of water, is, and we're just yeah. chilling and. <laughs> Okay, fair. Hydrated. Uh, <laughs> I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder this year, and that has like a crazy stigma. And so I went like super deep into therapy. Last year was actually really rough. Like last year, I think my casting was actual dog shite because I was so depressed. Like I was right, like very real serious talk, uh, like right there on the line of like suicide and i needed to get help so i went to therapy i got onto medication i got like a full diagnosis i'm doing much better now and like i feel like my growth with dracos has been mostly because of like mm. self-care and taking care of like my mental health and uh i constantly have this battle of like i'm probably not in the best uh position like i came into league of legends because i was such a fan of these players and like watching these players grow up on and i used to be known as like a crazy like narrative caster like that was my favorite thing is like to get like the big one-liners and just like tell the stories of the players and like really learn about them because that's what i fucking cared about i hate this job in terms of the brand and the persona and being the ambassador and dealing with all of that and like now after like the whole semi-final debacle i had to like completely remove it like i got uh about 50 different emails of like people going through like my work email just calling me like the most awful shit and like that's completely aside from like all the shit that really? i got blown up on uh twitter oh. and reddit and instagram like dracos and i couldn't even open our phones we're like well i guess that's the end of the year for us and just like set it down and um i was like really struggling last year and this year i think was really up and down i switched on to uh i don't know if you've ever taken antidepressants but that shit will fuck you up and it's like it's wild you can get like really high or really low and so there's like a i remember i was casting with dracos and i was trying to figure out the time to take like my pill and it's like four hours after you take the pill and it kicked in right in the middle of one of our i think it was like week seven games and i'm drawing on the telestrator and i like just start drawing random circles i will try to go back and find the game and like leave it. <laughs> it was at that moment i was like oh no where will you be when the drugs kick in <laughs> did you say that with cast or <laughs> okay, okay. Just looking at me like what the fuck like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're like halfway through jordan's like i was like record scratch you're probably wondering how i got here <laughs> I'm not sure. I, if you go back someone will probably dig it up there's like six circles on the screen at one time and i think draco says something like that's enough telestrator for today <laughs> i can respect it um yeah uh, that's that's but, really rough yeah and yeah I, in all honesty after the um after the g2 semi-final thing i was like not the greatest cast but holy fuck like i was in such a uh, a dark place like mentally and then i feel like i couldn't say anything about it i said something about it i think last week but you can't really say anything about it during the event because you're like yeah. i can't take away from worlds at all um which i don't know it, it's kind of fucked but like not trying to make excuses but i will say that <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't in probably top performance there guys <laughs> 
Yeah, I, and I do yeah, I definitely think, think it it goes into a conversation as well of like, um, the the industry that we're in is very rapidly to an extent becoming showbiz, right? Where this is television, and like, there's an extent of as you're literally saying towards the end there, like the show must go on, right? You're not trying to detract away from the show and everything, but at the same time, you do have to think about yourself and you have to look after yourself. So it it it's definitely a difficult. A balance to strike, and I definitely don't envy the. I definitely think that you got more than your fair share of hate. Not even just recently, like over the course of your career. I think it's. I mean, I think we all do. There's always like you know the new face that uh, comes in, and like people just hate it because it's like new. It's why I'm really happy with what you guys are doing in the LPL right now because it's probably the most positive reception that I've ever seen for the LPL broadcast. Um, I watch you guys' broadcast a lot guys are doing i don't know if i've ever said it to you guys but you guys are doing like a really fucking great job so thank you <laughs> please continue because it's like actually it's the only broadcast i watch outside of the lec so please continue to make a good product for me to consume because i don't want to watch shit <laughs> just on thank that you. um i just want to say i know all the lads as well like massive shout out to you and a thank you as well frost because i know you've been super mm. positive and supportive of us also i know all the lads are super appreciative of you so i just wanted to get the, the chance to say that to you as well yeah i mean I um I think I spoke about this on social media, but just to, like make it like really clear because there was like so many questions about why um LPL doesn't have a lot of representatives, and obviously there's like technical limitations that like go into it. From my experience, like working on the LPL, it's just because no one knows that LPL casters really exist. The, in my experience, when I was there, I won't speak for you guys, just my experience. So right, kick it, Matt. <laughs> 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 They just, the, the people who are making decisions are, uh, they don't have the time to go and watch your guys' cast because the time zones aren't great. There's a shit ton to, to go through. Um, it doesn't get a ton of traction in the Western audience. So they rely on, um, you know, educated voices who do watch that, which tends to be like a couple of people. And once they have their people, they sit on them. And it's because A, that those people are talented enough that they don't really have to reach outside of it. Um, but it does mean that we're constantly falling into the cycle where super talented casters and like, in my casting career, I always learned the most and grew the most when I was at an international event because you're working at like such a bigger broadcast and you're around so many different people. It is like, it is such a huge barrier to entry and kind of like going to the next level as a caster to get to work on those events. And I think it, in my personal opinion, is super fucked when we don't get um, more of our... Uh, I don't want to call you guys B tier casters because I think it's just like such a dirty word, but like more of the casting family like involved and like more voices in there. Mm -hmm. So um, I will try to advocate for you guys harder. I think that's what it always comes down to. It's just like yeah. more advocates, but I don't think it has anything to do with your guys' quality of casting. It is simply like a an eyes on you and unfortunately like such limited places for such a very stacked roster. Well, thank you. I appreciate all the kind words, of course. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's a there's a conversation there that I don't really want to delve into right now, but the, there's a huge part of the conversation that I think, obviously there was like a couple of Reddit threads about uh, LPL casters not being involved and all that kind of conversation. There is an extra factor there of like, there can only be so many casters. And I've worked as a producer um, and I know if I'm making, if I'm running a show and I'm making a decision on who I want on my show, I want the people that I know are going to do a fucking awesome job and the people that are going to bring in the most viewership and please the most viewers, right? And if I'm producing Worlds and there's these four guys that 
have basically just started casting as far as I know. And I've got all of these guys at LEC and LCS and LCK that everyone already knows that have hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to hire those guys because I don't have any budgetary worries. So like that, just, just to add devil's advocate in there to argue against my own case, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to really get into that conversation too much because i yeah, think much you could shut up actually please yeah. we're trying to we're trying to get <laughs> i'm just trying to explain here. that there is more to it than just like who is a good no, caster and who's not a good caster. i totally agree with you it's always going to be like nuance and there's like very easy arguments of like other way like brand yeah. size and yeah. um time zones and you know work even just lo the logistics of everything yeah, yeah brand size is my least favorite argument. i hate that one yeah <laughs> well um, i am almost at three thousand followers you know so oh. i'm skyrocketing <laughs> where did he go <laughs> we'd start <laughs> talking about brand size and he ran away oh no wait i just dc'd no, the oval is right, the wrong I'm way around there. now <laughs> oh, oh don't change oh it's it. okay it's we're bringing him back i'm coming oh, back it fixed itself Oh, thank God. <laughs> That's just saved me like 10 minutes of Whoa. fucking around. Um, all right. So I feel like we've kind of excluded you for a Wait, little bit there, Ender. I probably could have just disabled video this whole time and that would have fixed my uh, connection. Like if I disabled you all of your like videos. Cactus, so. Oh, yeah. Hold you on. could disable oh, our videos. Strategy. Yeah, to improve. You were slowly but surely becoming a <laughs> um, While you figure out your strategy, I do want to pivot that original question that was uh, a bounce off of, of, of Frost talking about the semifinals and things over towards you as well, Ender, because actually, especially last year, as you mentioned before, you got a ton of hate when you first came into the LEC. Um, like, what was your... Were you similar to Frost where did, did you have, like, coping mechanisms? Did it not bother you that much? Like, how did you deal with the amount of hate that was being thrown at you when you, when you first got into the LEC? Yeah, well, it was actually really weird for me because I felt like in my very first split, I received almost no hate. There was like not actually a lot of recognition that I existed. Yeah. Like, because uh, 2018 know that summer was my first split and I was just kind of invisible. Like the only hate comments were like, his pants are too big. <laughs> that was it. I was like, hey, all right. It, it like, hey, that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm like, I'm good and it can only get better. And then at the start of 2019, it took a, it took a pretty big dip. Um, and for me though, I feel like I have always been one to like take criticism, anything like that, like very easy. Like I don't really care. Like I'll go on Reddit all the time and like read hate and it doesn't really affect me. Um, every like few months it'll like pile up and like real life mm. stuff could be happening. And like it, it, when it all adds up, that's when it can like really hit me hard. And then it's like pit of despair for a few days. Um, but uh, for me, I, I feel like I can get into those threads sort of no problem. And it, it's the same idea of like, I can deflect it really easily. Like the weird champ thing, I make it my own or um, I see criticism and it's like, a lot of it is just baseless. And it's like, I hate you and there's no reason why. And I'm like, okay, if there's no reason why, there's yeah. nothing I need to change. So whatever. Um, and then like very rarely you'll see like a trend of something. Like for me, it was like my breathing um was uh something that a lot of people noticed and i like just worked on that um, breathing yeah yeah like uh no it, it's it's sort of the way i i talk because i i project very loudly with my voice and what i'll do is i'll i'll talk 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 talk, talk and i'll take <gasps> quick like breath like that and it's kind of loud and you could, see, it would see, pick see. up on mic yeah yeah so like that was that was the thing that that i um like changed based off of like reddit feedback but for me i i largely don't care that much um and can handle it all right Fair enough. Well, I want to uh, 
I want to shift the conversation slightly now to a slightly less dramatic topic. Uh, slightly less, like, uh, I don't know, you know. Uh, a, a bit more of an optimistic topic. I want to bring it back to League of Legends a little bit and talk about preseason, if that's all right with you guys. Because uh, fucking hell, what a preseason. Uh, this I want to bring up a weird concept and just start the conversation here in that, first off... Um, the preseason changes are so dramatic in the size difference between different preseasons. Like the Elemental Drakes leading into Elder Dragon was season eight, if I'm not mistaken. And then season nine was like Alcoves. <laughs> and that was it. And then season 10, we're like, all right, well, we're, we're literally taking half of the game that you've known for 10 years and replacing it entirely. And the other half we're reworking. Um, and I, I had a conversation with someone earlier on today where we kind of toyed with the idea of like, what if you did this with the champions and you replaced like a third of the champions, some of the outdated ones or whatever, you would, it would like not be the same game at all, right? It would be a totally different game at that point And it would be very difficult for people to be able to play. I feel mm -hmm. like there's an extent to which that is kind of what has happened with the items because like I've, I've played this game for nine years or something at this point. And like the whole time, I could play Corky, I could build Triforce, I could build an Infinity Edge, I could build uh, a Phantom Dancer, and I'd be pretty okay, right? Like, is Corky always matter? No. Are those always the best items on Corky? No. But are they reasonable items on Corky? Yes. You can't necessarily do that anymore. And so from a casual player perspective, this update could be really brutal to... Uh, a lot of the like peripheral League of Legends players mm -hmm. being able to continue playing League of Legends. Like if I am a super casual player and everything's changed completely and the few things that I did know, I don't know anymore, I might just give up. Like where do you guys sit on how dramatic of a change this is? Do you think that it's a necessary change? Do you think it's a good change? Do you think positives and negatives? Like where are you guys at with that? Because I'm, I'm kind of still really torn. I like some of the changes, yeah. but I also feel like it's it's really difficult to even know where to start with this. Yeah, so I'd say day one reactions, like I'm not like ready to say is it a good change, is a bad change. Like I am a big believer in the team that works on the design of League of Legends. I worked with them. I'm mm -hmm. biased, whatever, but they're all very smart people and have very, uh, uh, like they have very, they think about the game in a very good way. I think it's 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 actually very good, no matter how much hate they get. Um, <clears throat> I think- I should make a podcast and I don't steal my thing uh, <laughs> working on it. Um, but uh, basically I think that a super casual players, not super concerned about um, if you actually look at the stats, there's an incredibly high amount of players that just build recommended items in that order. Like the large oh, really? majority of the player base only do recommended items and they overhauled recommended items. Like it's mm. better now. So I actually think the super casual player just clicks whatever item they're supposed to buy the same way. If you were to go try a MOBA, any other MOBA out right now, you would instantly buy all the recommended items, right? Cause you have no idea what any of them do. You would just buy whatever it, it tells you to. Um, the majority of players do that. So they're actually not in any sort of concern. Um, and I think that, that, pros that are, uh, it's the pros that have to crunch and come up with this. Now, I think that 
right now it's uh, information overload and we've never experienced this before because like even with like new runes coming into the game mm-hmm. you usually had like one choice you thought about and that was your keystone rune or is like your your chief mastery like any of those like that was going to be important and the other things that came underneath it like, it, like there were there yeah. were better ones there were worse ones but they were stats and the only thing that actually like even remotely changed your playstyle was the first one uh the new items all dropping at the same time is going to be really really hard to adapt too quickly and figure out what is best but in two months every character will have their best items like it'll be the same thing where everyone has their go-to builds you know pretty much all the situations and there will be guides and you know you'll see what the pros are building it'll be very natural to everyone in two months and that's why i think like this change is good and the other thing is with item overhauls they've only ever done it one class at a time which means that the assassin class got like reworked and you saw like the characters changed and the item changed mm-hmm. tanks got new items you know 80 carries got their item rework in 2018 like it's happened class by class by class but that comes with the restriction of you put these items into the game and then you have to balance them relative to everything else that already exists and it's very clear that riot wants to fundamentally change some of the roles in the game for example, you look at a ton of the fighter items. They put a shit ton of movement speed on these items. Uh, assassin items have a lot of like mobility put onto it. Like you have the dash one, you have the invisibility one on Duskblade. AD carry items now have their dash ability, have their super shield ability. So it's about giving more outplay potential and counter options within builds, um, which they're allowed to do because they're changing every single class at the same time. They can figure out what is the the threshold or what is the Mm. uh what's the status quo and they can balance everything to that they can set that now as opposed to reacting to whatever has already existed in the game so i think it's the only way they could have gone with like actually meeting their goals of multiple class item overhauls is to hit everything at the same time so i guess what you're saying is that they're trying to essentially think like okay what what do ad carries want let's see if we can give them that in items what do bruisers want let's see if we can give them that and like try and do that with each role of like what would they what would level this role up let's do that at the same time so that it's not super oppressive to everyone else exactly because as as people get better and better about the game the roles and classes get so much more binary ad carry is the stupidest thing to ever exist their right clicks are a spell with a cooldown of half a second and it's it's point and click right it's so it's so ridiculous that that class exists there is so little skill expression there other than your positioning and not getting one shot (laughs) so little it's it's hilarious so what do they do they used to be more power yeah, I no, can, no, but people they're, they're, making the game. Now. they're making your class better because what do they do? They take power out of your no skill button, which is your right click, pew, 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 but pew, I have, pew, right? Bill, that's that's how I express thing. it. No, no, you don't. That's how you express stats. That's not skill. Stats I, do not. I'm okay skill. with that. I'm okay with not needing to be skilled. They give you a dash (laughs) ability. They give you movement speed abilities. They're giving you outplay potential, and it makes your class not binary. (laughs) I'm fucking playing Valorant League of Legends. I'm just here to click heads. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, in Valorant, clicking heads takes skill. It just doesn't in League of Legends. You just play Caitlyn. If Mark Merrill called me up on the phone tomorrow, and he said, you are in charge of, like, you are the, the lead balance, like, philosopher we'll call him on league of legends i would delete 
80 carry from the game. I would remove that shit in a heartbeat. Get that the hell out of here. All 80 carries should play like Ezreal uh, or like Lucian. I'll give him the double hit. Like, that's cool. Like, it should be Spell Slinger 80 carries with mages in the bot lane, bruisers in the bot lane. That shit would be sick. But there's way too many players that love their little right click and they ruin the game for everyone else. Personally attacked? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Jackie Love sucks. I'm not gonna lie. I, I hovered the I hovered the remove from group button while you were saying that. I was I was this close. I was this close. Uh, to be fair, I have actually swapped. I've brought, I'm juggled that. Go on, go on, Doug. I was gonna say to be a little bit uh, more positive. It's kind of like this is today at least from playing it. Like it's given me a feeling that I haven't had in a long time playing League of Legends. It's just that like holy shit this is busted or holy shit this is the worst decision i've ever mm. made like not actually knowing what it is like i remember one of my fondest memories is like coming into the game and i was playing bot lane against the blitzcrank and i remember myself and one of the dutch lads that i'm good friends with were playing and i was like this is unbeatable he pulls me under the tower and i'm fucking dead how do i play against this there's no counterplay and like i haven't felt that in so long yeah. and now coming back into playing today i actually was kind of like oh well if i put rift maker on this guy or i do that with this thing like all these different combinations and it was really cool to just kind of go and i like i know we were talking a little bit about shakarez as well who's like tweeting constantly about like titanic hydra katarina is now a thing and i'm like that sounds so stupid i want to have a look and play it like i haven't had that feeling for so long playing league and it's nice now mm. to get that feeling again of just like holy shit this is so cool that i get to try all these wonderful things that like doughy-eyed newness it feels to me like yeah. I think I do you know something I noticed earlier today when I was playing was the changed icons at the same time as changed items is really really important because I realized I, I opened the shop and I was like I don't know what the fuck anything is right which obviously you can look at that in a in a negative way but you can also think of it like it felt to me like you know when you when you quit World of Warcraft but you're still an addict so you start a different MMO right and you're like what the fuck does any of this do? And you've been playing hardcore World of Warcraft. <laughs> this may get a little specific here. You've been playing hardcore World of Warcraft for three years at this point. You've been like raiding hardcore permanently. You've been like playing PvP and shit. You know everything there is to know about World of Warcraft. And then you play this new MMO and nothing makes sense and you don't know what anything does. And you suddenly remember how to enjoy a game, like Dagda says, because you don't know and you gradually figure it out and you're like holy shit this is busted as fuck holy shit this is busted as fuck and you and you you discover things but i think if the icons had stayed the same as before like death cap for example right the item has changed a bit but it's still fundamentally death cap even with this even with that like the fact that it has a new picture means that you have to go hover on it and figure out what the new version of death cap is so it's kind of like even if you have read everything, it still feels like there's a little bit of something new there. There's something to discover. Yeah. And it feels you do get that kind of childish joy of figuring it all out again, which is, I'm just glad that they disabled rank for it, you know? That ranked doesn't actually matter during preseason because it's childish joy now. If it was in ranked, it's not childish joy. <laughs> we were playing ranked flex earlier today. We I were think just it giving exists. away yeah, LP. But, but it's not real ranked, right? It's not real it ranked. It does affect your MMR, just less so. Hey, believe, we're, so. we're leaving the country. We don't mind. Yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> Honestly, so. More LP to you. <laughs> real talk here. I think that Riot actually did. The biggest mistake Riot made is that they dropped everything at the same time 
Now, I think you should drop all the items at the same time. Do the entire item rework right now, today. But what I would do is I would have done it in three stages. So today I would drop all the, I would, you know, do all the same item changes they made, but I would actually not change the icons of the old items yet. So I would leave the old items that still exist, their icons as the mm. ones in the shop, because like people need a reference point. And like, that's just like a good way to like teach people the system is like, these are the normal ones. Now you can play around with your new toys. Um, I would leave the UI off. I would keep the old UI because the hardest thing for me today oh, was the UI. <laughs> it was navigating both brand new items and the UI. And I just found myself sitting in base for 30 plus seconds because a, I couldn't yep. find Where's the, the trinket? items I need. <laughs> I couldn't find the trinket. I couldn't find potions. I walked out of base with a coal and no pot because I couldn't find potions. Um, but it, it's like you, you gave people <laughs> way too many different things to think about if you did new items this week next week you drop the item icons for the old for the old ones right you've update those and the week after that uh, you release the ui then the players that have been playing this whole time they understand what the good items are and now they can use the new shopping client and you know it'll be fun here's here's the thing though this this is actually the five head play reddit can't complain about everything if you drop it all at the same time, they'll forget <laughs> to complain about some of the stuff. They'll get used to the new shop because they're busy complaining about the new items. So you can you can just match it all up. It's just a way to dodge hate. I'm, I, yeah. Um, sorry, Frost. What's what's your take on it? Because I feel like you've uh, not not had an opportunity to here. jump in here. <laughs> we none. I've not had anything intelligent to offer either. So <laughs> unintelligent I mean... discussion is perfectly welcome. <laughs> Uh, Andrew's always going to be like the go-to person for talking about like uh, balance. I always think that it's like such an eloquent way of putting it, but fuck. I only look at patches as soon as they're live and pro play. Um, mm. I spam. This is how I play ranked. I'm like, okay, I'm really going to climb. I'm going to take it seriously. And then two hours later, I'm like, fuck it. I'm locking in fiddlesticks bottom. Let's go. <laughs> I'm just running it down. I love running it down. It is my favorite <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> Report. i am all about <laughs> yeah. today i played every single like basically every single 80 carry and like our six games that we played as a uh, cast reflex we were just like i saw your cogmore yeah hey it i played lane phase heart. fine <laughs> you I got a lot of cs with that passive i have to admit i was maximizing my <laughs> passive is it really maximizing cogma's kit if you don't die on it um because i just wanted to see it but fucking i love that shit i love just just taking 80 carries and building stupid shit on them i love getting bored and just being like fuck it i'm bored let's go in and then you just like everyone feeds you're like i guess we're through the game i'm like oh, okay let's do it again run it back that you've reminded me of something there where you said fuck it i'm bored let's go in there's a there's a screenshot of lou mao's in-game communications <laughs> where it's like i'm bored can we fight now it's like <laughs> that's that's the smart passive team from lpl that's the the <laughs> smartest team of the lpl that shotgun is like i'm bored can we fight Sorry, just random You're thing. Watching Crisp in that NEST game where he was playing the set, I'm like, this motherfucker's bored right now. He's yeah. like, he's running around. He's like, I should just be zoning control and just like taking care of space and like moving my vision line. But he's like, fuck it, all this guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Crisp. I'm not gonna lie. I don't feel like the teams are taking NEST that seriously. <laughs> I've watched a lot of NEST at this point. <laughs> I'm not convinced that they're, they're super interesting. They don't take the regular season games that seriously either. That's true. Um, but yeah, so yeah, unless anyone else has anything to add on the preseason, I feel like we're still very much at the precipice of this. Uh, 
So I don't want to like, I'm not going to try and ask analytical questions from uh, you the guys. The only thing is, I'm just terrified because I know that LPL starts first and I'm just like, oh, I got to introduce this shit. I, was, I have no fucking clue. And like, I can't even go, oh yeah, look, I'm going to watch the NA lads or you guys at NEC work it out first. And I'll just, I'll just write notes in the background. I'm like, fuck me. I got to deal with this. I'm just going to learn well, the that. names of the items and then just throw you under the bus. What does Kraken Slay do yeah. again, Doctor? Yeah. But Stop. It's also right uh, before Chinese New Year. So not only do you get like yeah. the items first and like, new rosters new teams new items but those motherfuckers don't care they're like yep. i've got two and a half weeks just to run this right now let's go <laughs> the cast is like yeah they should be doing this the teams do something completely different the cast is like i am correct really i am <laughs> i swear i know i'm, sh I'm what i'm talking about here <laughs> yeah you know, i have one wrong. final message <clears throat> to chat about preseason and about new changes in general there we go don't wait don't be day one reaction andy's okay i don't want to see strong opinions out there on the internet you can okay. have opinions opinions yep. are great but they better be some weak ass opinions okay mm. that's what i'm saying like you can have your opinion but you better be ready to change your mind in an instant okay and i don't want you going out talking about a new item like it's the most broken thing you've ever seen it's like my experience was it was really broken but not like oh my god riot please nerf like Get some more time on the patch before you start yelling into the void of what's good, what's bad, what right has ruined, what they haven't. Just please stop. Andrew, um, uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think about Samira? <laughs> <laughs> it's been more than one day, I will say. She's undertuned. <laughs> oh, he said it. He said it. I don't believe you. Um, Look up the win rates. Ironically, it doesn't even lie. Yeah. I, I think know. just bouncing off Ender's point, like I think it's going to take a lot of getting used to as well. Like say, like the dust plate stuff. I was playing against the Kane earlier on today, and everyone was like, "He used his ult. He used his ult," and it's just he'd killed someone and got invisible. Like it just <laughs> takes some time to get used to it. So like, I think once people start to get used to what the items do and like how to actually play against them it'll all make a lot more sense rather than just like completely misinterpreting what's going on and then saying it's fucking busted when you're just being an idiot i will say uh <laughs> weirdly in the defense of people on reddit um there is an extent to which complaining on a public forum about something that just fucked you in solo queue is incredibly therapeutic and everyone <laughs> else that's upvoting that is also just getting that cathartic click of like, yeah, fuck this shit, man. I also just died to this Katarina that's now building AD, apparently. Fuck this game. Or I also just got, I got one shot by a Shaco that had a Dusk Blade, and he killed me with his E that scales only off of AP, as far as I know, but he still did like 350 damage with his E, so fuck only knows what's happening in this game. I could have made a Reddit thread. I chose not to just for you, Ender. Just for you. Oh, I didn't I make that Reddit you. thread. I'm going to be honest. It's usually not Reddit that tilts me first. It's usually other casters. Like today I was watching Medic oh, stream. Here we go. Just no, 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 no. Here's the thing. Here he he dies to an Alawi with 17 kills. And he starts talking about the items. I'm like, have you not <laughs> seen an Alawi for the last five years with 17 kills? It kills literally everything it sees. <laughs> The My same favorite. thing happened. There was there was a Caitlyn that did the same thing. A Katarina that did the same. It's like, it's not the items. It's just that they're five levels over you with a full build at 24 minutes. No, but it was this the items that got them to that point. <laughs> Go on, Rusk. 
<laughs> this is how I feel when Azale, and it was somehow considered controversial when Azale came out and he was like, basically the most wet take ever, which was guys, I don't think all of the conversation about items really has that much of a breakdown on what happens in these games, which I agree with true Teams do not win and lose by how they build fucking items that's like that's just the Except easiest thing very to french cases yeah oh uh, just super french cases yeah. you know why they lose because they get bored and they run it down at the wrong time <laughs> but also before they have their items frost before they have their, no. <laughs> if they ran it down with the leandries it would have been fine <laughs> but here's where the entire conversation is just stupid, and let's get back in to the, uh, what is it, the Mark Z LS debacle. All right, here we go. I'm jumping oh, in. Let's, let's just, I'm not let's just, I'm just we finally closed Pandora's box. Let's just open and, it right up. In <laughs> relation to the point made right there, which is games are not won or lost based off of item choices. I don't give a fuck if the game is won or lost off of item choices. Professional players should be up some optimizing to the absolute maximum. That is the bare minimum requirement I expect for them. And they items should be optimized. They don't optimize their macro play. They don't optimize their build. That's the thing. Professional players. And this is my, so I agree. We must have an idea about what the perfect game of League of Legends looks like. Cause that's how you have to judge what is a good and I'm a bad play. I'm not talking about game, I'm just talking about items. I know, but just in general, like that has, that theory has to exist. But we then also must agree that that never has existed ever. There has True. never yeah. been a perfect game of League of Legends. And so when people start arguing who won or lost draft in like a perfect vacuum in theory, I'm not saying that draft isn't important, but I am saying that, listen, motherfuckers, I know that that team has the stronger draft. But if you turn off Dude. the gameplay, does it matter? <laughs> I, I say this all the fucking time. Dagda can attest. I've argued with Lyric to the end of the day like about draft is not everything. But anyway, um, I agree, but I'm going to counter your argument here, Ender, with uh, of like players should be doing a perfect build every game. That is not just a matter of statistics, especially when you bring into the conversation of like, uh, do I go... Right, so let's say you're Zoe, right? You go Ludens first, oh, or do you go Protobelt first, right? Those are both viable build paths, but have two different styles and two different, like, you can have an opinion that one is better and you can have opinion that the other one is better. Yes, you can. And it wouldn't surprise me if a caster would, like, <laughs> flame that. However, um, you can... Uh, what's, what's happening in that chat? Uh, on my chair, did you say? I'm lost. Anyway, um, opinions or not, like there are different, there are different ways to build champions without it being completely in, and for it to be okay. Yes, I agree, but I think that at a very high level, there are so like maybe the example like probe over lose. Like there are scenarios where like you can pick and choose, but I think there are like very clear situations where it's like this is just clearly better right like and i mean if you look at like what is the win rate change if you play a thousand games with this item versus this item in this spot it might be you win two more games but that doesn't mean you should you should always take the two more games route right so mm -hmm. if protobelt edges out ludens by like half a percent win rate you take protobelt every time you know unless there's like more of a reason behind it as to like versus this type of comp like this is better than that one that mm -hmm. um so i think that within a game the correct next item can always be solved i i i don't think any i've been presented a situation where someone could be like you can build either this or this they're both fine it's like well maybe there's a split where it's like 
to accomplish this goal in this game, you build this item or this item, but then you can look at the goal and be like, well, do you need to accomplish that goal? If yes, then you do that item and that item is correct. So I think you can always actually solve that. I think that's, that's um, uh, how it goes. Like a math perspective, if you put like a goal on it about, I need to be able to do this much damage, I need to be able to do this number, this number, then it's very easy to figure that out and be absolutely correct. But I think if it comes down to execute, because ideally we're talking about your itemization has to give you the most viable win conditions. And mm -hmm. the team that has more win conditions, whether through their composition, through their itemization, through how they play into the other comp, theoretically you then say that team is going to win because they have 90 opportunities to win the game, whereas the other team has 10 opportunities. Yeah. But if you play into those 10 opportunities, and then it's like that, it's like, uh, you know, if a... Let's take a, a bruiser in the top lane that doesn't go for bruiser items, but goes for tank items. And let's say it's like an egregious build. Just someone, everyone's like, this isn't the efficient item. You're supposed to be doing this. But if they play in a way that they are relying on, like what, the Black Cleaver versus Trinity or whatever the fuck that people were arguing about. Like they rely on uh, CDR. Maybe you go for like a gargoyle stone plate and people are like, what is that guy doing? But he's only about like getting into the back line and having the tank stats to mm -hmm. just survive or to tie up and disrupt something rather than having like the best case damage scenario. Like I think that's when you get into the discussion of how does your items actually change your play style and like what your win conditions are in the moment and what your responsibility is into that team. And with this yeah. champion, I can either be, you know, this uh, frontline damage burst side lane, or I can be uh, something that people normally don't see where I'm a uh, spirit visage, uh, fucking knight's vow on Omnistone. everything. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I 100% I agree with you. And I, I think my point would be that if you can solve what playstyle is best to win the game, highest win rate, etc., then you solve the you solve the build. And therefore builds should always be solvable. The hard part is not actually determining what build is best. The hard part is determining what playstyle is best. Okay, I agree with that. But now we're trying to give semantics. <laughs> no, we're we're in agreement, I think. I feel like we, okay. we came to <laughs> a weird like conclusion that was somehow agreeable despite originally disagreeing. Wow. <laughs> I think agreeable debate a lot okay, of, here we go a lot Let's of go. the disagreements in league of legends come down to two people arguing two points that actually don't disagree with one another yeah. they're like two points that are right next to each other but they can't they but they they, they look like the other person is arguing with you when you're so focused on your thing and that's how you get reddit posts reddit posts <laughs> exactly it's true um all right so i want to shift unless Doug, did you have something to add there no, I'm oh, all good. Sorry, I thought you were. I thought I just interrupted you. Um, so I, I want to move the conversation on a little bit. Um, as we we're, we're starting to wind down a, th a little bit, I think in the show, um, I wanted to ask you guys in in the conversation that we had earlier about um, branding and where you came from and and you guys as people. I wanted to ask, uh, and this is a question that I'm I'm personally very much interested in. Um, what do you guys see as um like what's next so i'm not necessarily just talking like in the next year or so i'm talking like in the long term do you guys have uh field goals do you guys have um small things that you would you would like to hit like where do you see yourselves going in the future would you like to just be a caster for for the rest of your career if possible i'm very much in the camp right now of like i would like to do casting as long as i can do casting basically but I've pretty much only just stepped into the the actual professional leagues. So I'm really curious where you guys see yourselves going and if you have goals or if you're kind of feeling it out. Because I certainly, as a caster that's 
just a one year in a major league. I'm kind of winging it. And I have like vague goals of what I would like to achieve eventually. But like, uh, if another opportunity appears, like maybe if it's, you know, a good enough opportunity, then something else comes up right. Uh, where do you guys sit on that? And do you have like a, a set plan? Are you also kind of feeling it out as you go? Um, Frost, we'll start with you. Oh, Dagda, you look like you want to say I was something. just saying, Ender, we know you're going to make millions off your sitcom, so we'll take that out of the equation, and then no, we'll work yeah. from, from Outside there. of royalties. <laughs> outside of royalties. Huh. Um, I care very much about talent uh, development. It's something that uh, I worked a lot on in Oceania and then um, briefly in LPL, and I tried to work on it into LEC, but it didn't really take off, and I wasn't the person who was like deemed responsible for it. Um, but what in a perfect world if i could have anything i would love to be hired by riot to literally be a talent manager and just look at um casters from like eu masters or the erls and like make it my job to you know watch the lpl and watch the lck and watch eu masters and mm. then be able to stack rank casters and give them feedback and help them make development goals and then be a resource that um riot head management and leadership could use to help a continue to develop the caster ecosystem and continue to develop their broadcast i think right now uh, Riot doesn't really know how to use or best use casters and is kind of going for the freelance thing because that's been established by, um, you know, traditional television and broadcasting. And a lot of the people who work up in higher management kind of have those backgrounds. But, you know, you have really strong endemic voices that I think uh, can be more than just talking on a microphone. And if talking on the microphone is like just what they want to do, then that's fine. But like, you know, why don't we have a trajectory or a funnel of moving casters into producer roles, into creative director roles, into talent management roles? Instead, it's like, you know, show them up and have them cast the game. And it's like, there's, uh, there's more to that. And so ideally, that's what I would want to do. I think that there's a big problem with the ecosystem where caster salaries have been uh, pretty capped and are going through at least in the lcs and lec markets i don't know how it is for lpl um uh, is kind of going through a shift where it's moving to day rate rather than to um salary it's you know figuring out and fine-tuning those numbers again like kind of what happened back in 2015 2016 when like the initial uh caster bump came through mm -hmm. but because of streaming especially in north america you know if you're a pro player because the the cycle should always be okay pro player plays Pro player retires, pro player becomes a broadcaster. You know, guys like Cadrill uh, and Whippo are names that LEC fans will always want to grab. But the thing is, is that why would I, as a pro player, go and become a caster when I could, A, if I'm in Europe, go to North America and get paid buckets of money, yeah. B, stream and make buckets of money and not have like the same responsibilities of like working the day job, like do the gig on the side. Uh, C, go into coaching or analyst work and still make buckets of money. You know, like there's there's all of these things. And and if the the inflation of the player salaries is so high and the caster salaries are not comparable to it, um, any means, then you're not going to see that healthy rotation, which is what I think we've seen. There's been a stall out. You know, Ender doesn't have a pro player experience. Vettius doesn't have pro player experience. I do not have pro player experience. Like, there's no more retired pros that come through. And I think people see Cadrill and they they really want that to be option. I have no idea what Cadrill's plans are are going to be. I think he'd be a phenomenal addition to a broadcast. But, you know, if you're going from making 
and I'm not saying that I know what Cage makes at all, but just from some of the salaries that you've seen, like yeah, yeah, yeah. your as an example you- salary, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as an example salary, you are not making that much money. <laughs> that you, as a caster, you do not get anywhere close to the type of money that they make. And these are our young guys, and so it it is going to stall out. And Riot hasn't had to face that reality yet, but that reality is going to come, and something's going to have to shift or change. Um, and I don't know what the answer is. Maybe they get saved because it's still a relatively small field where, you know, there's only so many spots and mm-hmm. it, it, it's fine right now. But as people like Deficio and Papa Smithy and Jat realize that they hit the ceiling and then there's nothing else and then they move out of the ceiling or out of the ecosystem and then other people have to come down, eventually these spots need to be filled and they're not being filled by the people that Riot thinks they're going to be filled by. So, Frosk, I don't know if uh, if you knew that, but LCS actually buying out my contract from the LEC for $5 million. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, it's on the table. It's not locked in yet. GT Witch. But anyway, Riot, please hire me. I think that this is going to be a problem. I want to save you a lot of money in the in the long run because eventually right. there's not going to be a lot of people and those very few people are going to well, turn and be like, yo, negotiate with me, negotiate with me. And then Riot suddenly is going to be negotiating with not very many people that are going to really jack I just, shit up. I do just want to quickly throw in the conversation that Frosk, like, I was the guy that asked you the question that got you saying this, that got you the job, that got you to the <laughs> position where you can hire people. So if you... You're looking for casters? <laughs> just, uh, anyway, um, so uh, also to to you, Ender, as well. Like, what what what's the what's the next best thing? Like, or what's the what's the goals in the, in the big term? Or yeah. are you winging it? Because I'm fucking winging uh, it. <laughs> honestly, I was winging it uh, for a while because to me, like casting was the end goal, and then it came so much sooner than I expected mm-hmm. that I was like wait, what's the next thing? Like I sort of freaked out like 2018 and even last year a bit. I was like, but I've always had like the thing I was trying to do. Like it, it wasn't always cast. Like there's a lot of different things. There's that horrific life, feeling but... of directionlessness where you're like, yeah. Um, but what? it's, it's why, uh, it's, it's why this year for me has been really eye opening. Um, from the, and the amount of like creative freedom you have on LEC from, writing content pieces to acting in them. Like I actually found I really have a passion uh, Mm -hmm. for those sorts of things. And I would actually really like to move into mainstream entertainment, whether it is like writing or acting, like either of those two things really interest me. Um, And yeah, that's what I I see myself doing in a world after esports because I I hope there's a world after esports. I don't think I want to be casting for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. What about you guys? Are Are you casting when you're like 30? uh so i don't well i mean that's years? two years away so i don't know anymore but... <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's literally um, a year and a quarter for me so uh yeah, yeah probably like, hopefully actually I'm, i like munch has been around a little bit longer than me but like i worked up until 20 yeah 2019 i left my job and i worked in finance to start casting so I'm fairly new to the scene where like I was doing it a lot before and like I'd done the masters and all that kind of stuff, but it always been as a side for a hobby kind of idea. Mm. And eventually got to the point where I was like, wait, I'm actually making enough money from casting that I don't need to do this finance job. So I was like, right, well, I'm going to give it a shot. So right now I'm very much kind of on the, the wing in its side and kind of seeing where it leads to, cause I'm not really mm. sure. Um, and the fact that I get to do it, like I'm super grateful, but God only knows what the scene is going to be like in two, three, five, ten 10 years time. Like, yeah. I was uh, I, I was being a little facetious earlier. Where I'm not, 
I don't have set goals of, of what I want to be, but I, I've been working full time for for six years in esports now. Um, and I've done a lot of casting. I've done a lot of production as well. I've worked full time as a producer. And I'm at a position where I, um, I really, really disliked working as a producer. And I don't think it was producing necessarily that I disliked, but maybe the crowd I was with or, you know, there's a thousand factors, right? But um, I do think I was pretty good at it. So maybe that's a path that I could go down later on. However, the reason that I am even involved in esports in the first place is I wanted to be a caster, right? I saw Joe Miller, I saw D-Man, I saw Quickshot, and I was like, fuck, man, I want to do that. So until like I've made it to the World Championships, until I've made it to a point where I have inspired people in the way that those people inspired me, I'm not giving up on this shit. I am going to make it to that point, and then until I have achieved that goal... Um, this is this is absolutely what I do. I want to do. And is it the world final that you want, or is it just worlds? Is it? It's like where it's, is it? Is it like it is, is it the world final? final? Is it a semifinal? It's the world final. If I that's that's ultimately the goal. And ultimately, even I think if I made it to the world final, I'm not sure the thought would be, all right, I've done this. Let's go and produce. I think actually the the thought would be, there is like a romantic thought in my head of like being that kind of like. 60 year old guy that's from way back in the day that knows of players you never heard of that's like you know you know how like uh, i know he's not a particularly popular figure anymore but like gary lineker for example in football he's been on that desk in the in the premier league for forever right i would love to eventually be that guy and we're both american that, that's yeah. it. I was gonna say okay. Well, <laughs> anyone that's ben English Scully. knows who that is. Ben Scully Frost. Anyone's yeah. eat, anyone who's eaten Walker's crisps knows exactly who Gary Lineker is. But um, like, just being uh, that like synonymous with 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 the game would be obviously the ultimate dream. That is a, a an incredibly high goal to reach. But that that would be the big dream for me. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, but. I think um, one of the, the guys that like inspired me to kind of go into esports to begin with was a guy called Sean Plot Day Nine. I'm don't, I'm sure people know Day Nine. Is, but, I've uh, never heard Day of Day Nine. Him. Yeah, um, but um, he was always like, "Look, don't put all your eggs into the one basket. Here's like 30 different things that you can do within esports." So that's kind of the the model that I'm taking right now. Is look, I'm not going to just stretch for. I'm going to put a lot of effort into this, but I'm going to make sure that I've got like a lot of other stuff on the side. Cause if one goes bad, well, at least then I've got a lot of other things that I can fall back on as well. And that's kind of the, mm -hmm. the steps that I'm taking, but it's probably a very measured approach because I'm coming into this with, after leaving a, a job in finance to come into this. Yeah. I think that that's one of the hardest things as well, moving away from normal society into esports because it's, uh, it's, it's still the wild <laughs> west people say it's not yeah. but this is still the wild west all right um i think the conversation is sort of uh, uh i actually have one more question if you guys don't mind it was just um because myself and joe had had this conversation before and i'm always curious to find out off of other casters it's kind of like um what is the thing that excites you about casting like what is the thing that gets mm. you up in the morning you go this is really cool like is it that teaching moment where you're like here's this really fucking cool thing that i found like i really want to share it with you here's that thing or is it the the moment where you get to make someone smile or you get to share this really cool experience like have that moment of connection with the fans like what is the the thing that actually makes you want to be a caster uh for me i 
it's the performance element of it. I, I think I'm a really competitive person, um, mm -hmm. and I don't really get that in casting, and that's like the big thing that I that I miss out on it. Um, but for me, it's like very similar to like be in front of the camera, have a lot of eyes on you, um, and like have to put on a show. Uh, and to me, that's just really exciting. Um, the pressure doesn't really get to me, but like I feed off of it like super super well. Um, it's just it's just a rush for me, and uh, yeah, cameras go on. I'm having a good time it's the story element um i've cast for so long now that i've seen a lot of players like literally grow up on stages before where yeah. i like cast their first game and then almost cast them some people like through to retirement um i remember i was casting uh ime versus we uh 2016 when ime qualified and amazing j made the crazy flank teleport on we in game five and they ran it from basically their inhib all the way through and killed the two towers and then qualified for worlds when like the important thing was the the context of that moment i'd been so against ime all year because i felt that they were so one-dimensional and we were always the better team they were always favorite they always had like mm -hmm. way more ways to win and then for Aime to win in that way to finally prove themselves as like the third best LPL team for Amazing J to get revenge because he'd been on EDG and then yeah. benched and then kicked to the sister team and then said, I'll get Aime all the way back into the LPL and then I'll take them to Worlds. And people yeah. were like, you're fucking crazy. You can't do it. And to see him then make that play in fucking the, the overtime buzzer shot from like half court mm -hmm. down. And he's like, he was playing his famous Nautilus. He did his TP flank, which is what he's famous for. He fucking started it and, uh, I was casting that and we were just losing our shit and a fish had like a really great win moment call. And I remember seeing amazing Jay, he literally just started sobbing and the stage oh. was four corners and amazing Jay, like he, he gets up and he, he's just sobbing and they have to go to each section of the stage and they have to take a bow. Oh and uh, if, you, if you go back and listen to the broadcast, I start crying and I just like, I'd, I'd watched him forever. I fucking watched him come up and it, it's that shit that like really matters to me which is why i think i get so hung up on um like when people get into like pissing contests of like yeah frost doesn't know anything uh, mm -hmm. fucking idiot it's terrible like i get so i'm like that shit doesn't matter like yes there's always going to be a place for that shit but like holy fuck you know what matters it matters that I knew how much that guy had fucking gone through for that moment. And I knew why he fucking broke out into sobs. I understood the gravitas of that. And I tried to make you understand the gravitas of that because yeah. that's why it's a fucking sport and not just your randos playing a game, raging at your friends for building a fucking Morello. <laughs> I can respect that. I can yeah. respect that big time. At the end of the day, we are storytellers. That is the top and bottom of it people follow people not games so uh, i think that's a fantastic moment to end this and this show on honestly uh, i think that's really powerful um so on that note guys do you want to if there's anything you want to shout out any last words you want to say uh, i think we'll i think we'll close it out here so um and we'll start with you then frost then dagda and then we'll close the show uh close out the show josie wants to talk to you frost she's mad <laughs> yeah i was supposed to call my girlfriend uh -oh. <laughs> she's fucking raging at twitch chat right now i'm sorry josie 
When Sorry. my girlfriend, she doesn't text me. She shows up in my Twitch chat. Like, I don't know how 2020. That will... is the best shit ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Your girlfriend might be a Zoomer. I'm just saying. <laughs> She's definitely a Zoomer. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, I'll say this again. I fucking love building up my colleagues. Ender is probably one of the most underrated casters of a very fucking long time. I've never met anyone uh, who came into the casting scene, which is much raw talent as Ender has. Like most people start at a very low level and you can see the potential and you see them rise. Ender started at such a high fucking level of polish and it's only gotten better. I think you were robbed of uh, LEC finals. I'll say that publicly a million times. And I think that you should have gone uh, farther in worlds and you do not get enough respect. Um, same thing to LPL crew. I listen to your guys cast a lot. Um, Dagda Lyric, I think I learned so much from you guys. Uh, I think Clement also super fucking underrated. Yeah. People just decided that like Western audience, like now Clement's starting to get recognition, but like people just decided that Clement didn't know what he was talking about because it was just so different from what they had learned in LCS and LAC. Well, guess what motherfuckers? LPL actually knows how to play the game. So when Clement says something that blows your mind, like you should just believe it because <laughs> it's just true. <laughs> So, yeah. I respect that. Big, big respect for Clement. I love, I love chatting to Clement because, like, you'll just be talking, like, you're watching a game with him, and he'll be like talking absolute nonsense, and then he will say like the most perfectly worded, like, thirty seconds yeah. of brilliant analysis, and you're like, can you say that like one more time? It's just like every he single just time. Text that just to so me. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna close out the show. Everyone, thank you for joining us, Ender Froskarin. Thank you for having us. Want to give Ender, give Ender a shout out. Ender went first. He took a shout out. Oh, did he? Oh, sorry. He went first, yeah. Um, Yeah, we're going to close out the show. (laughs) Yeah, we all miss you, Josie. Uh, Josie, thank you for joining us. She's literally in Cardiff right now. Um, And no offense to, well, it doesn't really matter to him, the Irishman, but to you. (laughs) Fucking (laughs) Cardiff is awful. (laughs) It doesn't matter to me. It's in Wales. Yeah, but that's Who part gives a of shit about whales. Um, anyway, we're gonna close the show before I say anything too offensive. We're getting <laughs> out of here. We'll catch you on the next one.